0: Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Muller, She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is John Pavlovitz. He's the author of God is Love, Don't Be a Jerk. He is such a cool guy. I love him. He's been on the show several times. I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with him. But before we get started, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoyed today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup. And don't forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with John Pavlovitz. Welcome back to the show. John.
1: Kimberly it is so good to be with you again. It's been a while since we've had a chance to chat.
0: Yeah it's been a while because I had invited you and you said yes and then you had to cancel because you got a brain tumor.
1: Rude I know.
0: I know I was so angry. Um, No I mean I was angry obviously that you got a brain tumor so that's the first thing that I want to talk to you about because you've got this book out and we're going to talk about that um, and of course other things but tell us all I mean we want to know obviously you're doing better but how are you doing and and what's been going on
1: yeah I am doing really well all things considered Kimberly considering where I started and you know back in October having the surgery and that even this last weekend I was able to travel and speak and everything Um, most of the tumor is gone but there is some there so I'm Mm -hmm actually using that as an excuse if I say anything incoherent or rude um, it's oh. just residual tumor talking <laughs> right <laughs> but but I've done on some med treatments that we're hopeful um, will kind of take care of the rest of it. So uh, I'll know in a couple of weeks, but for the most part, I'm feeling fairly physically normal so that's Good. I'm grateful for that
0: yeah, that's just that was hard news. I mean it's been there's been so much difficult news I mean outside of all the obvious but I mean yesterday, yeah. We learned, I don't know if you're the Stephanie Miller fan, but like Stephanie Miller's dog unexpectedly died. She was six. And then, then we find out the journalist Eric Bullard died. And right. it, oh my God, he was killed by a train. He was on his bike, and I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know the details, but I mean, what a freak accident. And then he's, you know, got a wife and kids, and all this news is just so incredibly devastating. And, and, I just want to say that people like you and I'm I'm going to talk to you with the understanding that other people want your guidance and your insight. But frankly, I'm after it for me. <laughs>
1: oh gosh! Just, well, thank you. You know, Kimberly, this the, this whole process with deciding to invite people into the diagnosis and the the treatment and everything and the recovery has been really a chance for me to see the really the the power of virtual community mm-hmm, you know it's mm-hmm. not an all it's not alternative community it no. actually is real and the relationships that you build there and the reciprocal nature of it the the give and take has really been fat you know fascinating yeah. for me and heartwarming to have people thousands of people from all over just uh continue to care about me so um it makes mm-hmm. me want to do the work even more oh. I, I feel the responsibility of that yeah
0: well, and you're important because you have, obviously, you've got the temperament, and you understand human psychology, and then, you know, you're basically a spiritual advisor, and, you know, I was reading some of your book today, and I want to get to that. Um, I've got I've got a bunch of questions for you, but before we get into all that good stuff, um, I also just want to note that today, despite the fact that we've got all these crazy things happening in the world, today is going to be a huge day, because it seems that uh, Kataji... Brown Jackson. I keep wanting to call her Jackson Brown. <laughs> <Like it's, laughs> stop doing that. Uh, she's going to be confirmed, and that's incredible. It's historic. It's incredible, and it's absolutely something to celebrate.
1: For sure, and you know, humanity needs some good news, like yes. you were saying, and I think that would be really a, a moment for us to feel a sense of optimism. And every we need all the you know encouragement that we can get. That would be just phenomenal. News. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, there's like I said. It, it's been so tough. I'm 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 talking from my point of view right now, but I recognize that a lot of people share the struggles that I have. I know you share because we're all watching what's happening in in Russia, in Ukraine, and yeah. we're. It's so difficult. It's just so difficult, especially when. You know I mean there there's the argument that. We're like we're cheering we're cheering on the person who's being bullied but we're not necessarily going in and helping them we're doing what we can and then there comes the argument of do you want to go into world war 3 do you want you know putin to launch nuclear weapons and then people argue he may not be able to even launch those weapons because you know his his army is not as strong as we all figured it was or whatever there's so many things going on and in in the meantime we're seeing the pictures of the devastation and the cruelty and the awfulness and this is exactly when people like you are needed because and I understand that you also need other people but like you said I mean you're getting the love back but people who are spiritual leaders and people who are um I don't know, like here to kind of guide us all along You're so important. And it just makes me want to like corner you and start <laughs> bombarding
1: you with questions. <laughs> I, well, you know, I feel like I, I want to, uh, seeing what's happening, what happens in the news, I want to kind of put a plastic bubble around my, yeah. you know, wear a suit because it's just, you know, I know. and I think when you speak to it, there's a helplessness that many yeah. of us have felt and a fatigue because I think for the last few years, we had an idea you know, okay, if we got to 2020, that if things went uh-huh. well, that uh-huh. we could sort of exhale a little bit. And that has not been the case at no. all, of course. And so I think we're just kind of at the point where we've reached the limit of what our, our resources can handle emotionally yeah. and mentally.
0: Wow. You're absolutely right. hundred percent. All right. Let's talk a little bit about your book. So I want to know what inspired you to write it. The title is, if I love the title, if God <laughs> is love, don't be a jerk. So, I mean, I think I understand what inspired you to write it. But, I mean, what do you want people to take from it? What was your big inspiration?
1: I think... You know, I don't need people to agree with me Theologically or politically after reading the book I hope they will because then we'll You know, we'll both be right But I think <laughs> I want I, I, I want them to stretch You know, from a, from wherever they are To a place of greater empathy And generosity mm-hmm. and kindness And the fact of the matter is You know, starting to write this book In January of 2020 And realizing that you know what was happening with the pandemic started to happen with the pandemic as i was writing uh you know the resistance to masks and to safeguards Mm -hmm. and seeing you know the election approaching and the anti-immigrant rhetoric and and watching the anti-black lives matter protest Mm -hmm. all of this stuff was coming from professed christians most of whom were white Mm -hmm. and i really you know the, the. i I asked the question and I'm sure millions of people ask every day is how did something that was supposed to be an expression of love turn Mm -hmm. so toxic and how do these people tell themselves a story Mm -hmm. that they love Jesus, but they have all these antithetical views to his teachings.
0: Yeah. Wow. And it's so true. And, um, you know, one of the things that you wrote, it kind of stuck because one I talk about on my show for patrons only, I am not a religious, I'm not in an organized religion, but, um, and you, you specifically used this term spiritual, but not religious, which is basically what I consider myself. I was not raised with any religion. So, um, I think in your book, you said something about, you know, that it, I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but that you didn't want to be boxed in, um, or something like? Do you remember exactly what? Yeah, you...
1: well, I talk about the idea of unboxing God and okay. a lot, and and the outgrowing sort of the rigidity of a religious system. You mm-hmm. know, for me, ultimately, religion. It, you know, the, the I say that the first problem is that is small religion, and the second problem is that all religion is small religion. <laughs> if you consider the topic, you right. know, it's not. It, it can't contain whatever is is. Um, not tangible mm-hmm. so I think that's the and a lot of people find themselves there I think so many people are spiritual in all sorts of definitions mm-hmm. and they'll never walk through the doors of a church either now or they never have mm-hmm. and that's okay I mean there's a there's a there's a beauty to the community of people who have these these um longings for mm-hmm. deeper things yeah
0: and I mean it's funny because <clears throat> somebody that I like to watch on YouTube is Chyna Phillips, uh, She she's married to Billy Baldwin, you know, she was in that, yeah. yeah, okay, so, and she's born again, and it's funny, because obviously I'm not, and I, but I listen to her, she's an interesting person, and I don't always agree, you know, with her ideology, but what I find so fascinating about it, is that we're both kind of in a similar journey, and in that we feel uh, we We analyze how we feel we we're we're trying to analyze our spirituality. And she said something, <clears throat> excuse me not too long ago that really tripped me out because, and I don't want to get too much into this because I realize I, it's like religion is not always for everybody, and what I'm talking yeah. about is not always for everybody. But I've been totally like immersed in in listening to. All these people talk about near-death experiences, and one of the things that they say is that it felt like home. You know, they come, they they had this experience where they feel they left their body, their awareness left their body, and then they had this experience, and then they come back. And when they come back, they were most of them are slightly disappointed because it was so great there, and yeah. um, and they talk about wanting to go home. And so, I I have had that feeling for I mean decades where, and I will randomly say it when I'm home, I'll say, mm-hmm. I want to go home. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't purposely say it just kind of spills out of my mouth. And it's usually when I'm uncomfortable or feeling frightened or whatever, you know, whatever awkward thing might be going on. And China Phillips basically said that she, now she took it to mean heaven. And so however you want to define it, I think it's ultimately the same idea of that, this is a scary place. <laughs> and, yeah. Right. And, and there, there, it feels like there is some kind of home to go to that you can't really spell out in your own mind. Now, do you, where are you with, as far as people who are say spiritual, but not religious, do you have people come listen to you who d- identified that way and and how do you differentiate between people who are christian and uh, uh, like when you're talking to them
1: well i mean that's that's the, what i get to do i'm so fortunate you know having having millions of people See them have the writing as a hub, and they're not they're all over the place. You know, some of them are Christians, mm-hmm. and former Christians, and atheists, and agnostics, and Jewish people, and, and over and Muslims. And so, you know, I spoke in California the other night, and there were you know hundreds of people there, and the commonality were the themes of empathy mm-hmm. and sort of our shared humanity. And mm-hmm. so, I see just Human beings as very similar, and mm-hmm. it's just in the story that they either grew up in or the story they now tell themselves about those things. Yeah, you know, some people some people were ra- raised in religion, and so that's their narrative. It's the lens through which they view everything. And some people have either abandoned that or they never experienced it. And so, what yeah. are the deeper things? What are the inherent stories? uh And that's where I kind of I try to speak into. Wow. Okay. One of the
0: things that I want to ask you about. Basically, is trust. Whether it's trusting the universe, trusting God, trusting the unknown, having faith. Um, Mm. You know, I've been on this journey now, really since COVID started, and it didn't start because of COVID. I actually started it right before. But I've, I've kind of, I've always had a belief in, in a, in a God. I've always felt like there was more to life than meets the eye, and I've been, you know, having some fun and. I also kind of do it out of the fact that it's so uncomfortable sometimes on earth now. But it's like, you know, this journey, wonder why are we here? What's the meaning of life? All that stuff. And one of the things that I just recently, I mean, literally in this past week, have kind of realized about myself is that I did not trust. Sometimes I I recognize that I'm fortunate. And, you know, when I first started this journey, I used to tell myself that the universe was against me. And then I realized when I you know, was started looking at things differently, I thought that's ridiculous. Why would the yeah. universe have anything against me? I mean, I've been created. Why would I be created to have something, you know, the energies of the universe or God or whatever against me? And yeah. so I did kind of immediately Rectify that BS that I told Myself because it was like oh that makes no sense Of course the universe isn't against me But what I did not have is a trust In the universe and This is what I want to ask you About because I Can trust like I don't fear my Own death I fear Pain and I fear like watching People I love suffering or in pain I don't know how to not fear That I mean I try not to actively think about it Too much but with everything that's going On you know, politically in the United States, but then the global uh, white supremacy movement that's rising. And we've, we, we're seeing this, you know, really terrifying effort to stop democracies. Putin is, is doing a very good job, not just in Ukraine. I mean, he's doing it over here on social yeah. media, dividing us. And I'm having a really hard time trusting. I'm trusting that our country's going to make it. I'm, I'm having a hard time trusting in humanity, even though I know the majority of people are good. What advice do you have to people who are in my position? I'm totally using you now because it's like <laughs> I want to know. And I know other people do, too, because we all feel so helpless, as you said.
1: <laughs> well, I think, you know, the challenge is we see the big and distant things and those begin to overwhelm us. Mm-hmm. And the only thing we can really work in is the small and the close. And yeah. so that's where I trust. I trust, where do I have I have agency? Where can I actually uh, affect what's happening in the world? And so I want to work in, that means locally, and that means leveraging my circle of influence and my social media platform and my resources. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, I claim as much power as I can mm-hmm. and then realize, you know, the trust in those other things, that's not, uh, um, that's not within my pay grade. I mean, I really, mm-hmm. I can't find the master plan and I can't solve, I can't figure out the outable things. Mm-hmm. All I can do is say, where am I placed here now? and what am I going to do about it, what outrages me, and what um, burdens me, and what grieves me, and then I push into those things, and that gives me a measure of control, but the truth is, uh, you know, those big and distant things, they're always going to, you know, the other part of it, Kimberly, is the news, is Mm -hmm. the the story we tell ourselves, we editorialize the information in front of us, Mm -hmm. and I talk to people a lot about right-sizing the threats, so yes, these horrible things are happening, but we have them amplified so much on social media we see them they become so so large in, in our vision mm-hmm. that we can't see beyond that and um, so that's a challenge for sure well
0: wow, that's a really good point because that that is what it feels like for me and I find that you know for my job I have to stay informed and sure. and I wasn't always informed I was I was you know I just like so many other adults I wasn't so political when I was younger and then 2000 happened, the hanging Chad fiasco, okay, I was a little more involved then Sarah Palin came on the scene I was a lot more involved and then, you know, Rush Limbaugh calls uh, Sandra Fluck a slut and then I'm all in and yep. um, and so, you know, but by that time I'm in my 40s and, you know but it but I mean, it's just, as somebody who had the opportunity to live in an autocracy, to live in communist Russia um, the, the threat that hangs over our heads, I, I, I can't I don't know what other people think, but I can only go, like what you said is a good point. You can, I can't control it, but the, that it's hanging there, it is big in my eyes. And it's like, how do we deal with this if it happens? I mean, it's it's overwhelming.
1: It is. And a part of what I encourage people to do is realize that, you know, throughout history, there have been these times of complete social breakdown, but there have always been people. St- You know, in those places and times, standing for humanity, Mm -hmm. and that's all we can do. You know, it's really we have inherited the world we've inherited, and we're going to pass it off to other people when we leave. Mm -hmm. So, what can we do with with here and now of our lives? That's uh, that's the only responsibility we have, and um, and so yeah, it's. I mean for this is hazardous work mm-hmm. to, to, to know what's going on in the mm-hmm. world, to be an informed human being. I mean, there that there is collateral damage to that. And we have to realize that there is a balance between knowing what's going on and being obsessed with things that are beyond our control.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you wrote something. Uh, it's called Good People Are Tired of Pretend Patriots and the Phony Faithful. I'm going to read a little bit from that. But I just want to point it out because it's like talking about being overwhelmed. I mean, everything that you listed in this blog is, is overwhelming. And you said, we're sick of traitors masquerading as patriots, of the treasonous continually waving the flag, of hateful people peddling a god of love, of human beings with no empathy pretending to care about the sanctity of life, the loudest prophets of America First having the least regard for America, of stop the steal protesters who want to overturn an election. And, I mean, every single day. I, I, I don't know if you saw that video going around the other day that uh, – I, I don't even know if it was at a MAGA rally or whatever, but it was this woman who said that she supported Putin. Did right. you see her? Oh, my God. It was like, h- how is this even possible? And then on top of it, we had the rally, and I think it was on Saturday night, and they said that Trump caught bin, bin Laden. And <laughs> – you know, I mean, and what I'm concerned about that, I'm really concerned that so many people, I don't want to just say liberals because there's independents and there's also, um, you know, people who are conservative, but they're good people. They just have different political ideologies, but they're, they're not the Trumper types. But it's like what I see when, when these propagandists purposely, intentionally lie... Then people on Twitter or whatever will come out and say, oh, they're so dumb. And it's like, no, they're not. And they discount it and they laugh. And it's like, hey, I'm all for mocking. Because I, number one, I read something about how the Nazis or like the far right hates to be mocked. So it's like, okay, well, then that's a weapon I have. Because I'm very sarcastic. So I will mock them. Um, but, you know, when, when you, I think when you don't give them enough credit when you just say, oh, they're stupid because they're not stupid they're incredibly intelligent that the base eats it up and but they know that they're lying they're not stupid and i just don't how do you even deal with that
1: well you know they're they're not and and here's the thing i mean intelligent people have been pulled into cults forever you know it's when you find the right circumstances when you can manipulate someone and press all the fear responses and and you know, leverage all the prejudices that they have. And that's what we're seeing. These are people who've been raised in a story that is completely false, Mm -hmm. but they are, you know, I always say no one is at their best when they're terrified. And these are, these are frightened people primarily at their core. And whether the church has done that to them or their, their politics has done that to them. I think the, the hardest thing we're, we're reckoning with right now, Kimberly is that those Christians are, their masters of media manipulation and, and generating um, an org, you know, a united front and being visible. And whereas moderate people of faith and and liberal people of faith and just decent people, we're not really good at that. You know, there are no progressive Billy Grahams and there's a reason for that. It's because we push against that kind of (laughs) power and control. But because of that, we lack uh, a presence in the, in the world that is as loud as that.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Oh wow. Okay, I want to talk to you more about your blogs, but we have to take a quick break, and we'll be back after this message. Hey there, it's Kimberly. If you'd like to support the Start Me Up podcast, just visit patreon.com/startmeup. You'll see all the different tiers. You can make your choice, and you will have my undying gratitude. Thank you so much. Okay, we're back. All right. So um, I want to ask. Just I just want you to describe this. I don't want to read anything from it, but I read that one blog that you wrote about when you thought you were going to die. Yeah. So I want you to talk about that.
1: Well, I was, you know, a couple of days post-op in the hospital and my, you know, surgery was through the nasal cavity. So the wounds are up there up mm. in your nose and so you can't sneeze or blow your nose. And um, I had been, you know, in the, in the room recovering. My wife had gone home. It was evening and I was getting ready to kind of go to sleep and suddenly felt a tickle in the bottom of my throat and realized, okay, that feels like liquid, but I haven't had anything to drink in hours because I wasn't supposed to and then I started to cough and all of a sudden... You know, blood was just shooting out of my nose and into my mouth and it began to just um, fill up my ears I couldn't hear and um, I hit that call button and started screaming help help and in you know a couple seconds there are all these people around me and they've got me bent over and all I can see on the floor is my blood from my nose oh, and mouth just pouring wow. in pouring out and uh, I thought well this is it I'm bleeding out and mm. um It was one of those moments where it was just I remember just being you know it clarifies for you what's important I just remember Mm -hmm. saying call my wife call my wife and I kept saying I was I was angry Mm -hmm. I kept saying I kept saying damn it all I'm I'm, you know I'm like I'm not done yet and Mm -hmm. I want to see my kids and um, so within about you know 20 minutes they had me stabilized and I'm sitting there in this bed and just still covered in blood and uh, it was funny because I thought, where, where's my wife? She must be having trouble, you know, parking. And I mm-hmm. called her and I said, uh, "You know, where are you? She said, I'm just hit sitting here at home. And the, the the hospital staff were so concerned about helping me that they didn't even call her. Oh, wow. So it was this bizarre sensation of nobody I loved knew this was happening. Wow. But in my mind, I was like, I was ending. And that was just such a surreal experience. Oh,
0: my gosh, I can't even imagine. Um, you mentioned that you said you didn't necessarily see your life flash before your eyes. You saw people.
1: Yeah, it was just, I, I remember saying, you know, I want to see my son. I want to see my daughter and and picturing my family. And it, you know, it, it wasn't, it, it was almost like I'm running out of time. I don't even have time to think, have, have my whole life pass before my eyes. It was just like, okay, I need this. And I just kept saying, you know, I kept swearing and they must have thought like what's this guy doing but i just remember being like this is this is because you know you picture your mortality all the time and i'm always thinking about these things but then you're all of a sudden realizing what feels like a matter of you know seconds and you left and you're just it's just a profound sense of uh i don't know um urgency and so once you're stabilized and i i said that's what. People said, Did it change you? And it changed me in the fact that the things that were important to me are even more so Hmm. and the work that I do, I wanna do it more because I don't know how long I'll be able to do it.
0: Yeah. Wow. Did you have a sense of fear or were you just angry?
1: It was really the 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 idea of you've lost control of how to finish. You know, Hmm. the left, you know, I I I had before I went into the hospital, I actually you know, it, it. the chances are it was going to go well, but it's brain surgery. So mm-hmm. I wrote a letter to my wife mm-hmm. and one to my son and one to my daughter, and I placed it on their pillows before we, I went to the hospital. And uh, so I felt at least that I had that sort of sense of I, di- I did that. But it yeah. was just saying, boy, I'm, I'm not ready. Not that there's ever a good time to leave right, either. Right, <laughs> you right. know?
0: Well, I mean, I think, you know, I can understand when you've hit like – you know you're maybe over 85 and all your friends are gone you can be like i'm ready to go but yeah at, at yeah. your age that it's you're not it's not and we we need you so you're not allowed <laughs>
1: yeah. oh yeah that's what and i was thinking that i was like what will kimberly do so I must press <laughs> <I know. on.
0: laughs> kimberly needs to ask all her questions on the podcast that's right, because that's right. <laughs> it's always about me and then but, okay now the other thing i want to ask you is something else you wrote about the uh it's called the political extinction. And I have a real specific reason for wanting to ask you about this, but you say the political extinction, extinction of the white (laughs) American male dinosaur. And Mm. you said they're all scalding panic. They're all in a scalding panic because they understand that their brief moment in history to have their way and impose their will is quickly coming to a close. The landscape is being renovated and the climate is changing. And as a species, as a species, they are dying, which is why they will do, What all frightened animals do when they are backed into a corner and realize the level of the threat. They will grow more violent than ever before. Now, I've heard – I, of course, agree with everything you say. Um, I've heard other people talk about this on my podcast. I can't remember who. But my question to you is this is basically saying, okay, we're coming to the end – of this white male dinosaur rule and because everything is changing but my fear is that somebody like DeSantis like that we're going to have a terrible experience with our midterms because of you know the, the suppression and, and all that and then s- somebody like DeSantis gets it um, and then, then it really isn't the end of the white male dinosaur because then they, they have total power and so I'm just I'm wondering how to wrestle that because I feel like if Democrats are able to have a you know if they succeed in 2022 and in 2024 I think you're you're spot on but if they don't then what
1: Well and that's the challenge I think you know when I, when i originally wrote that it was this idea that you know because the evangelical church and the religious right and you know the conservative religion in the republican party this is what has still been driving all of this mm-hmm. and and that is you know evangelical the evangelical church has been a dying entity
0: yes. and
1: historically and i think had had um you know trump not won in, in 2016 i think we would have looked at that rightly as the end of this thing it would have started to really die but because it was given a last platform and a last gasp at power and it has leveraged that that's why we're so threatened right now and that's why we see what the republicans doing and doing what they're doing now and i think that you're right you know we do if we get someone who's just as devious but more competent than mm-hmm. Trump, like the and that will be a horrible thing. And that's why, you know, this moment is so important mm-hmm. for us. And I think you're frustrated by it probably as well as I am trying to get moderate people to, to engage with this, to mm-hmm. even know what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the most frustrating thing is not that activists and engaged people aren't doing enough. It's that people are other people are largely oblivious to it.
0: Yes that's you know that's what i think sometimes when i criticize the democratic party i get all kinds of heat from people because they they see it as an attack and it's like all i really i mean i i am a staunch democrat and Mm -hmm. i believe in the democrats occasionally we have some bad apples occasionally our party makes stupid decisions but overall they're good people and i mean you know There's always going to be corruption in politics and all that stuff, but just take all that out of it and just assume that it's there. Yeah, I mean, people in the Democratic Party... The, that's the party that got the child tax credit and you know we're the ones who push for everything that's good whether it's a 40 hour work week and of course it doesn't mean that we're perfect but it, but the the thing about democrats is we can keep pushing them and pushing them and pushing them and you know they're dealing obviously with conservatives and so they have to find what's going to work and it's not an easy process but all that said um you know, I think that Democrats could be doing a better job, and I know that the, I know that Jamie Harrison, and I just want to say this because I did uh, Hillary Clinton said that the democrats need better messaging. So I tagged him in that and I'm sure he didn't like it. And, and but I said I love the democrats and I and we will help you because I do think they need to message better. It's not an attack, it's a plea. It's like saying please, 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 you know, I know you understand. I know Jamie understands the threat of of what we're all facing. And you know, and I think there could be I think they're limited. I think the Democratic Party is limited in what they can do whether it's because of funds or just because you know, it's it's harder to get Democrats or or liberals or whatever to follow. They don't want to necessarily like my boyfriend thinks right. that you know I don't. Oh, it's not cool to to say what the Democrats are saying, and I need to be cool and all that stuff. But um, regardless, I think you know I do know Jamie Harrison is doing his 50 straight state strategy, and it's vital. What they're doing is vital. It is knocking on doors. It's boots on the ground. But I think there's this overall kind of. Broader messaging that they're missing Out on and and I'm talking Because it's not to the choir we're Already there we have your back I'm going to be calling you know People on behalf of candidates and I'll Be doing everything I can but um, There is like what would What do you think is like the best Way to get people's attention Who are not paying attention because there Are half the country doesn't vote Now get if you got them all To vote of course you'd get a select, you know, certain por- portion of that group who would vote for Repo- Republicans yeah. and all that. I, I, I don't know why I'm having so much trouble talking. Anyway, but uh, what do you see, like, because of your unique perspective, and who you are? How would you go about getting new voters?
1: you know i think the the thing that one of the mistakes that democrats made <clears throat> has has been relinquishing the talk of spirituality to sure. the republicans this is for decades mm-hmm. and i think that what that's done is that people who we talked about in the beginning who have these deep these deep moral values and are people of faith morality and conscience they they, ha- they don't realize how compatible the work of the Democratic mm-hmm. Party is with the, that spirituality, mm-hmm. that it is at its heart, it is an empathy-based movement, mm-hmm. and I think it's hard for, you know, progressive Christians, it's the same problem. They don't understand how to have ferocity in the same way, you know, I call it ferocity for humanity. You know, Republicans can, ra- can get this sort of battle posture and this, this war rhetoric because that's the nature of their religion Mm -hmm. and you know the the damnation and the exclusion and all that but we have a hard time having a stance that can be both loud and loving Mm. and we we feel like that's not possible but it is
0: wow what a great point loud and loving i mean i had this thought the other day that if if we tried to solve all of our problems, if, if our solutions were based in love as opposed to based in, you know, vengeance and um, punishment, I think that we would be so much better off. And, and when I say love, I don't, I don't mean the corny kind of love. I, I mean, what benefits humanity? It's like, for instance, when you, when you put somebody in jail, I mean, obviously, when you've got a murderer, somebody who goes around on purpose murdering people, they need to be taken away from society. Um, right. I don't know that they could be rehabilitated. Do we trust to put a murderer back out on the streets? I mean, I guess we've done it before. But, you know, then, you, then you're looking at the little crimes, whether it's smoking pot or, you know, stealing uh, from a store or whatever that people go to jail for, that it's, it's not something that they were horrible people, but they made a bad decision and now they're in jail. And we don't have a rehabilitation. And in fact, when you go to jail, basically you just become hardened and learn how to become a better criminal. But if right. we, there are so there's some story that I saw not too long ago. I can't remember what what country it was in. It might have been Ireland. I don't know. But they had this idea of of a prison where, and I think they even took this idea and brought it to a place in the United States. But it's been so long, I can't remember the details. But I do know that you know when it was crimes that weren't heinous, you know, like rape and all that. Um, people were rehabilitated and then they would get like, there was this one guy who was really good at basketball and you know, he actually got, there was like a, a known basketball player that, that became aware of this guy and helped him once he got out of jail because you need to get a job and you need all this stuff. And it's like when, when we work from love solutions from love, then we all, the, the person, Like if it's a criminal, if it's somebody who's been in jail, they benefit, then society benefits if they, are, if they are indeed rehabilitated or at least shown a different path and a different way to go, and then they choose to go on that path. But it seems like we are so hell-bent on, on vengeance and, and getting, you know I mean, because especially when you see somebody like Trump who has hurt so many people, And nobody, you know, nobody's sitting there thinking that he's wouldn't even be possible to rehabilitate that guy. But I, I mean, it's like our solutions aren't coming from love. And I think we need to get to that place. And I don't even know how, because it just seems like there's so much hate and and divisiveness right now.
1: Well, the irony is, is, you know, the people who are, who commandeered the idea of Christianity are the least loving people and their movement is yes. based on nothing but cruelty and exclusion. Mm. And so actually, you know, love for me is expressed in, you know, do you give a damn about other people right. at the at the core of it? Is, do you want other people to succeed? And, you know, the, the narrative of progressives is We want I want Trump supporters families to do well too. You know, I want healthcare for them and I want the environment cleaned up for them and education and on and on and on. And so I'm not in competition with those people. Mm -hmm. They are in competition with with me Mm -hmm. from their perspective. Mm -hmm. And that's the that's the difference. It's this idea that That the right has that someone else's gain is ultimately their loss, and and we don't believe that. I believe in interdependent community, and that there there is abundance, there is enough for everyone, and that's um so that's a fundamental divide. Wow,
0: you're you're such a nice man, (laughs) and you're such a a, a good no, you are, and you're a good man, (laughs) and it's important, and men like you, people like you, are important right now, and I I genuinely mean that because I I do. Like, I I don't want to start crying, and I'm feeling tears coming on, so don't cry, Kimberly. Um, I wake up every day, and I was talking about this on my patrons-only show on Tuesday. What's happening, because, you know, I mean, God, yesterday it was so hard, because I, like I said, I find out that, you know, Eric Bollert gets hit by a train, and and he was such an important voice, aside from the personal loss you know his family and all that. I mean, to all of us, it's a loss because he was one of the really important journalists who told the truth and held all the other journalists accountable. Um, you know, you're you're seeing these pictures coming out of Ukraine, and you're you're seeing that legislators legislators in Tennessee were willing. I mean, they've changed it now because they got so much blowback, but they were going to make chi like there was no limit to. Uh, or or age limit for child marriage. Right. And which is basically making child rape legal. And, you know, we're watching all this and, and it's just blow after blow after blow after blow. And it's so difficult for me. I'm having an extremely hard time uh, doing what I do because I feel like I'll, I don't want, I don't want to talk about Russia every day. I don't want to talk about the Ukraine. I mean, I don't want to talk about the cruelty, and um, but there it is. That's what we've got to talk about because it's in front of our faces, and so people like you are are the people that kind of you're like, you're the light. And and I swear I'm not I'm I'm not just giving you compliments because you're on my show. Or I je- and I know I'm not alone because like people go to your feed, to to listen to you. You make us feel hopeful, and you make us feel. Like, there's a reason to keep going. And it's so important. I just want to make sure you told, I know you understand that. I know I'm not the only person who said it, but I want to be one of them who makes sure that it's like cements that in your brain.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, I really, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, Kimberly. And I, you know, I never thought this kind of, I never thought I would be in a public position like this. And it, some days it feels very, it always feels very bizarre mm-hmm. and very, um you know, unnatural. But yeah. I, I've tried to use this platform as responsibly as I can, but you know, I, there are days when just like you, I mean, I knowing that people are reading the writing is as encouraging to me as it is for them to read it. And I let them know that because, um, I get to those points where I lose hope too. And, mm-hmm. you know, I went to LA this week and did this talk and, and I didn't want to be there. I just wanted to just crawl into a hole. And then yeah. these people showed up telling me their stories and this 16 year old LGBTQ uh, woman said, you know, this, this is, your writing has changed me and it's helped me and wow. and you go, okay, well, there is no option to stop there. You know, hopelessness is not, Is something that we can engage in right now. Um, So I just get up every day and try to say, well, what do I have in front of me? Let me use it. Let me use this day as well as I can use it.
0: Yeah. Wow. And then, uh, well, the last, at least not political, but, like, newsy kind of thing I just want to touch on because it's so annoying. But um, so, yeah, it's been predicted that we're going to see a surge in COVID. And guess what? We're seeing a surge. And now, I mean, this is not everyone, but this is just in the last couple days. uh, Nancy Pelosi, John Fuglesang, Merrick Garland, Adam Schiff, and Matthew Broderick have tested positive for COVID. I know there's a few. I think um, Kamala Harris's aide, a a top aide, she has. And then I think... I think pelosi was with biden which totally scares me because none of them are wearing masks anymore um yep. and you know i think that's wrong i i know that johns hopkins has just reinstated their mask mandate so there is that but there is no like mandate um i mean obviously private businesses can do it but there's no government mandate um which i think is a mistake i think i think obviously with with the second variant they saw it coming when the when the mandate was you know decided to take it down or whatever but as far did you ever get covid
1: i did i was i got um my family we all got breakthrough cases oh, back in right. july wow. of 2020 i think it was no it must have been 20 i lost track of the days but it was we had we had gotten vaccinated my mm-hmm. so it must have been 2021 and it was my um my daughter I mean, my son and myself and my wife, we had all been vaccinated. My 11-year-old could not at the time. And then uh, she, she got it, and we had a long car ride. And by the time we got back, we had all gotten it. It oh, was wow. one of the early cases. I remember it was newsworthy at the time. Yeah. But, and I remember the doctor saying, hey, you know, this is novel right now, but it's not going to be pretty soon. Once the kids go back to school, mm-hmm. this is what we're going to see. And, of course, we've seen it. And uh, so, and I had a pretty, for a, for a mild as mild cases go, it was pretty rough.
0: So what did you, do you believe that you had the, um, Delta variant?
1: I did. Yeah. Right. Uh, we believe that was what it was. And it was right at the beginning of that, of uh, the Delta surge. And, uh, so, you know, it's just one of those things where it's, it's relentless and I, you know, traveling now, I mean, people in many parts of the country, you, I went to, I was in in, in Indiana last week and, there is no, there is no virus. As far as you look at people, you know what I mean. They're mm-hmm. just living yeah. in crowds as if there is nothing happening, and uh, so that's frustrating.
0: Very frustrating and very disappointing. I just, out of curiosity, um, what. Could you describe – because you say it's mild, but it was horrible, and I keep hearing that. I thought I had COVID last week, and I don't have it. I still have a sore throat. But I think the reason why is I've, I've got a nasal polyp, and I honestly – this woman messaged me and said, hey, I had a nasal polyp, and it was horrible when I had a cold or during allergy season. And she mm-hmm. said, I'd always – it's like everything she described is what I'm going through. I took all these COVID tests, and um, I just I, – it kept – I got two PCR tests I want to do find out uh, I want to find out what you went through Um, and even though I know it's not Omicron and that's what everybody's dealing with now I'm just curious though um, what like how long did it last did you have a fever did did you feel like you'd ever have to go to the hospital what what was the worst of it
1: well, it was, it, the hard part for us was we were all feeling these symptoms and you're, and some of us are thinking, well, it's allergies and it's this and that. Yeah. And then I remember once my daughter was diagnosed and I started to feel, I had the fever and I had this, um, this uh, sort of, I, I called it like a sense of dread. Like it was <laughs> just fatigue to the yeah. level of, I can't do anything. And I remember yeah. being, I was, I was in, in bed for at least a week where I really couldn't do much I couldn't really eat of course I lost sense of smell but it was more of I had no motivation even to watch tv I would just be sitting there and waiting for this to pass I knew because I was vaccinated it was never hopefully going to go into my lungs Mm -hmm. and it was just a sense of complete depletion in my case did you have cough only after only as i started to recover i did get a cough that was really nagging ended up having to get steroids for it and Mm -hmm. that that was really odd because i never had it i didn't have it for about 10 days and then i got that was the last thing Mm -hmm. and couldn't shake it um but um yeah
0: that's so weird and did you do you have any um after effects i mean it doesn't sound like you had long covid but like do you notice anything afterward
1: no, fortunately not. Once I got my sense of smell back, because it actually took a while, and, um, and then a couple of months later, that was why I had to really be really careful, because when I announced that I had a brain tumor, mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure people understood, it has nothing to do, this was like a 20 to 30 year, this is a slow growing tumor, and we realized that I've had it for decades, you know, mm-hmm. and so I, had, I wanted people to know, but I physically was fortunate that I rebounded. Um, after a few months really well.
0: Now, did you get it before or after your diagnosis?
1: I got it before, and then probably... That was what precipitated me going to get Mm. tested, because I, I was you know, two a month and a half past this and was not feeling really well Mm -hmm. in in different ways. I had these different symptoms. And then remember my doctor saying, well, let's run this kind of blood work. And Mm -hmm. that's where they found the, the hormone that pointed to the type of tumor that I had. So it was really my suspicion and my, you know, paranoia that brought me into the Doctor and got me. So by August, end of August, I was, you know, I had had COVID in July, and by the end of August, I was diagnosed with my tumor. Wow,
0: wow, wow. So are you considered immunocompromised now because of the brain tumor?
1: Um, I, you know, I don't believe that I am. Although, you know, I am, uh, you know, I'm getting my second booster just because I, I know how even when I was going into the hospital thinking, okay, I've already had COVID. So chances are I'm mm-hmm. not going to get it, but you just really in the recovery process was realizing, okay, mm-hmm. I can't do it. I couldn't blow my nose. I couldn't wow. cough. And so I said, you know, that I knew was precarious if I got really sick. Yeah. So um, that's the other thing, because there was a possibility of a second surgery up until a couple of weeks ago. And now we're hoping that that, you know, is, is not in the cards right now. So that, you know, made it a little bit different.
0: Yeah. Well, just um, to let everyone know, I got my booster and it was Moderna. I've only gotten Moderna, but I got Mm -hmm. it yesterday. And it was interesting because the the first booster that I got, I got, I I would say that affected me the worst. And it wasn't terrible, but it was, you know, I think the day of the night of I got real tired. And then the next day I woke up and I I can't remember if I woke up not feeling great, but I know at least by, say, 11 a.m., I started not feeling great. And I'd say for maybe about seven hours, I was really run down. I had probably not a fever, but like a high temperature, maybe 99 point something. Um, And that was really the worst of it. And then I was fine. Uh, This time, yesterday, I got the shot at one o'clock or two o'clock. And I felt so sick last night not sick like I had a fever or anything like that but just I I thought oh no I actually thought we're gonna have to cancel today I thought Mm. oh no I it's gonna be bad because I would hear that people would wake up in the middle of the night with a fever or something like that so after they got vaccinated and so I thought I was positive that was gonna happen because I felt so bad but you know what I woke up this morning and I'm pretty much fine so,
1: <laughs> so that, yes, that's really that it's, so good
0: yeah people like I know some people are so worried about not feeling well all the experiences I had with the vaccines, I've had four shots and the third one was the hardest and it wasn't even that bad and you know I, I have my sore arm and that's it so I've gotten a sore arm every time and now I have a sore arm and that's hopefully now I don't know if they're going to say we're going to need another one um, by the end of the year but I'm just hoping that if that is the case and I'll get it you know I'll get it if it's like going into the holiday season and if there if there are variants around I would get it but I'm just like can't they just make one that lasts a year now (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. And, it, that, it, and it's hard to keep track of it and to make sure, you know, to keep people's energy up for those things too. And, yeah. uh, you know, I found, you know, I, I, I went through some similar, you know, um, symptoms, but then already having had COVID, I said, well, you know what, it's so much better than going through that. And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just the 10 days of being sick too. We had four people with staggered Diagnosis. And so the lockdown for our family, it was so invasive. It was, you know two, three weeks of wow. not being able to participate in life. And that's the thing I think people don't understand, even if you're feeling relatively well, mm-hmm. of course, it's different now, but but at the time, you know, we'd lost almost a month of our lives yeah. and work and everything with our kids. And so um, I would just as soon have a bad afternoon and get, you know, of some <laughs> Exactly. And,
0: uh, <laughs> yeah. One afternoon or a month. It's pretty easy.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: Oh All right. So before I let you go, I'm going to play this little game. And uh, my listeners have heard me ask twice now, because it's the Ber- Bernard Pivot. I like to say it with the French accent, French <laughs> accent. but it was uh, the guy for James Lipton from inside the actor Studio asked these questions, and they're just fun. I, mean, I was thinking to make up my own questions, but these are perfect because they're totally benign and they're fun and they're just silly. So the, the deal with this is there's ten questions. And you're supposed to just, first thing that comes, you're not supposed to think too hard. Just first thing that Uh comes to to your mind. Okay. So, let's go. What's your favorite word?
1: Transcendent.
0: (laughs) What's your least favorite word? Bile. Oh, that's a good one. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally?
1: Uh, Empathy.
0: What turns you off?
1: Uh, Apathy. (laughs) Apathy.
0: What's your favorite curse word?
1: <laughs> uh, fuck.
0: <laughs> Which I have avoided saying, just out of respect, because I say it all the time. Wha- it's a, it's <laughs>
1: versatile. It's, it's incredibly versatile.
0: What sound or noise do you love?
1: Um, my, my dog's sighing when he's napping.
0: <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate?
1: Ah, uh, that would be the doorbell. I'm an I'm, uh, introvert.
0: <laughs> Me too. Uh, what profession other than yours would you like to attempt?
1: Uh, professional chef. Hmm. Do you cook? I do. What? I'm, the, I'm the everyday cook here. So when Uh-oh. I had COVID, it was rough because I was yeah. just going through the motions.
0: <laughs> right. Wow. Because you couldn't taste it. Um, what, right. what profession would you not like to do?
1: Uh, politics.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and this is the last question, and it's so perfect. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: Um, there are no evangelicals here. <laughs> <laughs> No, I shouldn't, I shouldn't leave it like that, but um,
0: I will. You I can. Will. That's awesome. Oh, my God. That was so much fun. Yeah, no, I totally cleaned up my language for you because I'm such oh, well, a potty mouth. Oh, well, we'll have mouth. to do another
1: more honest one and let it all fly because I was behaving as well.
0: All right. Well, one day we'll do the R-rated
1: because
0: <laughs> yeah. I can really go there.
1: <laughs> well, we'll see how 2022 goes. We may be doing it anyway. <laughs>
0: Oh, I just adore you. I think you're so wonderful and I'm so grateful that you made time for me and um, I know you're busy. So I am going to let you go. But first of all, tell everybody where to find you and where to find your book.
1: Yeah, you can uh, John uh, com, or once you know my name, Pavlovitz, P-A-V-L-O-V-I-T-Z, you can find me anywhere or anywhere you get where where you love books, where you buy books.
0: There you go. And then, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at author Kimberly L-E-Y at the end of my name. My books are on amazon and just if you read any of our books and you like them give them good reviews because authors need good reviews so uh yes definitely um john you are just such a wonderful man if if you were in front of me i'd hug you thank you so
1: much Oh my pleasure my friend and we'll talk again soon
0: yes we will take care Bye bye